Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Hello and welcome to episode number 139 of the Trail Manners podcast. Our guests today are Jim Skaggs and Debbie Farka. The Trail Manners podcast is produced every week for enjoyment and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. This episode of the Trail Manners podcast is sponsored by Hemp Daddy's Therapeutics. Hemp Daddy's is a full-spectrum CBD oil made from USDA organic hemp grown on a family farm in Colorado. Hemp Daddy's is great for reducing inflammation, pain relief, better sleep, and a faster recovery. Go to HempDaddies.com to support the show and learn more. And don't forget to use code TRAILCBD for 10% off plus free shipping. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome to episode 139 of the Trail Manners Podcast. We've got a uh, couple guests on the show. Let's mix it up a little bit. We usually introduce differently, but let's go age before beauty, right? So we'll introduce uh, Jim Skaggs. No, I think Debbie needs to go first. No, that was the age <laughs> no, before no, beauty. No, not younger first. Younger first? <laughs> sure. I'm working on my game, right? Oh, okay. So you say age before beauty, and the person you call beauty, they kind of like blush and flutter and go, oh, that was so yeah. nice. Debbie, Debbie will just smack you. I know, I know. But that's to say, but I'm working on it, right? Oh, okay. So this is like a litmus test for for, for whatever it is. Um, but yeah, we have uh, Debbie. She's been on the show as a co-host on the single track session. Jim's been on the show in the past as well, but... Uh, as I talked about recently, this podcast is going to be dealt around coping and coming back from uh, surgery or injury, which we've gotten right in front of me with you two. So we'll just kind of kick it off and uh, let you guys tell your stories first of your owies, and then we can uh, kind of get into the questions. So since we started with you, Jim... We'll start with Debbie this time. Okay. So, there we go. As I'm pointing at Jim to go first. That's how this show works. Lesson learned. <laughs> Lesson learned. Um, <clears throat> so two years ago, I was thinking about this on my run today. Two years ago, this month was when I had my surgery. So um, unexpected abdominal surgery. Um, they gutted me like a fish. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> <I can> say. <laughs> um you know, it was a pretty sad day when you have a fun summer, an exciting summer of running planned, and you go in and get told, "No, honey, you're gonna, you're gonna be taking several months off." Um, so, so yeah, um, my surgery was in April, and I was told minimum, you know, three months without really doing any type of running. Otherwise, I risked um, hernia and all kinds of gnarliness, um, because they, they sliced through my abdomen. So I had to let that heal deep layers of stitches, um, had to heal. And then I needed to get my ab strength back, um, before I could really do any significant running. Um, and that was 
it was a little, it was tough. It was harder than I thought it was going to be both physically and um, emotionally. I was dealing with um, not only, you know, giving up your summer of running is, um, is one thing, but when you're facing the diagnosis or the potential diagnosis that I was facing, um, I'll just, I guess I should just tell you, otherwise it's going to be so, it's going to be too cryptic (laughs) and weird. This is your story. I know, but it'll be like cryptic and weird if I'm just like kind of tap dancing around it. And I'm not super shy about it anymore. Um, I was People in Istanbul are going to hear this. Istanbul? Yeah. You have listeners? Not Constantinople. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to have that song in my head now all night, you jerk. <laughs> you worm. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll just be too cryptic and weird. So um, I had, um, I guess I'll start at the end and go back. I was diagnosed with endometrial stromal sarcoma. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Spell that with your uh, alphabet. Spell it, go. I'm Googling it now. <laughs> I wasn't, I guess I wasn't diagnosed with that until after the surgery, but what prompted the surgery was I went in, sorry, fellas that are listening, I went in just for your yearly checkup, ladies, um, and found out that I had a a very, very large tumor in my uterus that needed to um, be removed. And um, because at the time there was a very small chance that it could be cancerous, um, they had to do an open surgery, which meant going through my abdomen. Um, which is a much more invasive way of um, a hysterectomy. So um, we went into the surgery thinking it was just, you know, a large um, fibroid-type tumor. And weren't my provider, my surgeon, she wasn't super concerned about anything other than it just was too big and taking up too much room in my abdomen um, and could potentially cause other problems. But then after, you know, the pathology testing, it came back as... As cancerous, which I'm, I'm very, very fortunate, very lucky. I didn't need any other treatment beyond surgery, so I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, and I'm grateful that she, she did the safe thing by taking it out um, through the abdomen rather than cutting the tumor. This is gross. Cutting the tumor into pieces and taking it out a different way. But um, anywho, like so you're taking concrete out of your house, right? <laughs> you cut it up into smaller pieces <laughs> to get it out of the house, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I had to spin that one somewhere. <clears throat> That's freaking me out. That added a layer of stress and anxiety. And um, I, I know I've talked about this with both of you guys before. Um, running is my Prozac. It's it's how I deal and cope with life. It makes me a better human overall. It makes me better a parent, um, um, a better you it's know, just fun to employee. Run with you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, and I love it. I truly love being in the mountains. It's not just that it helps with, you know, de-stressing and all of that. I, I truly enjoy being out there. But... Um, when you take away your coping mechanism and then you've added, not only are you looking at, you know, like I said, losing your summer of fun and running and tanning, uh, tanning, laying out your two piece. (laughs) That bums me out when I can't use my two piece. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean the two piece, I mean the front and the back. That's my two piece. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I totally lost my train of thought. Derailed. No, just your summer. Derailed. Just your summer. So yeah, so you're facing that when you're you know looking at a surgery and a, and a lengthened recovery time, and then I added on that layer, like I said, of stress, um, worrying about a, a cancer diagnosis and what that could potentially mean. But like I said, thankfully it was just um, you know a few weeks down the line, it was just the surgery that I needed, and I just got to recovering and dealing from there. So. 
Um, question to you. Uh-oh. I just I told my She's st- pointing at me, folks. <laughs> Eric. Eric. I told my story, so now do I just keep talking, or is Jim going to tell a story, and then you're going to ask us questions? Boy, these are tough guests. <laughs> Jim's going to talk about his story. Okay. And then we're going to get into the kind of recovery side of stuff. Got so, it. So part one, Debbie had her belly button cut open and had some stuff done. Now it's Jim's turn. Jim, what happened with you? So... <clears throat> this goes way back. So this this goes back when, Eric, when you and I used to go running at lunchtime when we worked at Smith or when I worked at ATK. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, my Achilles had bugged me and um, didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. Eventually it bugged me enough to where I went into a uh, ortho, sports ortho. Um, and he diagnosed me with big surprise, Achilles tendinosis. And he gave me a couple exercises to do and said, it's either that or surgery. And I went, well, I don't want to get cut open. So anyway, I just dealt with it. And uh, it bugged me off and on over the years. And I had a big knot that started to form on the back of my heel down by where the Achilles inserts into your, shall I use the technical term? Calcaneus. So your heel. The heel bone. Yeah. yeah. I nailed there that one. Impressive. Somebody's been studying up on their anatomy. <laughs> I have been. You watching Grey's Anatomy? No. Reruns? No. No. <laughs> so anyway, so um, it finally, <clears throat> a couple years ago, it, it got to the point to where the first couple of miles of just about every run were painful. It was just, um, and, and then things loosen up and a lot of times the rest of the run would be okay. Sometimes it was painful the entire run, and I just kept going through it, you know, just pushing through it. But really, it got to where running was drudgery. And what really, the, the summer before I had the surgery, I finally decided that was enough. And uh, I have a couple of friends down in Salt Lake that are doctors. Uh, I'll drop names. Darcy Gorman is, uh, she just came out and ran my 50K, and then her husband, Troy, is an ortho, and he specializes in ankle and Achilles. And I made an appointment with him and with the full expectation that I was going to need surgery. And uh, so I went in. He uh, took x-rays, and he threw them up there, and even my untrained eye could see this massive bone spur on my heel. Well, real quick... <clears throat> I saw like when you take your shoe off your heel. Yeah, it was massive. Wasn't yeah, it? I could tell from a very untrained eye there was something <laughs> not right. It was creepy. That yeah. don't look right. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, something <laughs> happened right there. That's yeah. smuggling a whole bunch. Like, you had a little mandarin orange stuffed in your heel bone, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> little kitty. Yeah. yeah, sucker it was, was huge. It was a mess. <laughs> kind of wanted to pop it. And, ew, yeah, ew, that would oh, hurt. Ew. That would hurt really bad. Not me. And uh, so anyway, so I, I went in. <laughs> This this podcast is going downhill. <laughs> I think it's going rapidly. really well. <laughs> so anyway, um, I uh, when I went in for the appointment, you know, Troy tried to make sure that surgery is what I wanted. I said, well, he says, have you done all the conservative treatments? And I said, yeah. I said, are any of those going to get rid of this heel, this bone spur? And he said, no. <laughs> and I said, then fix it. So we scheduled the surgery for after I did my pacing duties at the Bear. 
so I was able to keep going through the summer and just, you know, push through the pain and run Wasatch, do my eighth Wasatch finish, pace a friend at the bear, and then uh, go in for surgery. And uh, <clears throat> what uh, was failed to uh, be told to me or, you know, what, what I failed to understand was that recovering from Achilles surgery takes longer than recovering from back surgery. It's like a full year to recover adequately from it. Um, but anyway, went in for the surgery. Everything went wonderfully. Got home. I'm hiring a kite on drugs. I come off that. I'm not in too much pain, you know, and by the next week, I, you know, my plans was were to take three weeks off from work, go back to work, and, you know, life goes on. Um, one week after the surgery, I'm scooting around on my little knee scooter, and you know how a small pebble will st in, stop your grocery cart in the grocery store? I hit a small pebble with my cart with my little knee scooter, and I went flying off of it and threw all my weight on that foot and ripped mm. everything loose that Troy had put back together mm. the previous week. On a pain, you know, they, they always ask you at the doctor or the hospital, so on a scale of 0 to 10, what's your pain level? It was about a 12. That's had, pretty high. Oh, Ouch. yeah, yeah. It was, I have never, it was like somebody put a blowtorch on my heel oh. for like five minutes. I should I should probably go over what the surgery actually entailed. So basically what he did, he cut open my heel, about a four-inch incision, detached the Achilles completely from the heel bone, cut off the bone spur with a hacksaw. This is why <laughs> Wait, I didn't. Is that really what they did? I'm serious. <laughs> I saw an x-ray of it, and there was a shadow of a chisel, like a wood chisel, like I have at home. Yeah. Well, and I asked him, I said, so do you use the wood chisel? And he says, yeah, we actually use that to make a notch. And then we saw. Yeah. This and is why I didn't pictures. eat before the podcast. I, I, had him, <laughs> I had him take pictures of the surgery, too, and they're pretty gnarly. Orthopedic surgery is kind of violent to watch. Oh, it I've is. Never, what you had done, I've never watched, but I've seen a knee replacement and a few others, and oh, boy. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is some serious heavy I lifting, excavation. I think Eric excavation might pass out. I'm changing so colors over here. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so anyway, he... he Removed the bone spur. He took off a, a chunk of calcification off my Achilles tendon that was probably the size of my thumbnail. And then uh, bolted the the uh, tendon back down to the heel and closed everything up and sent me home. And then a week later, I promptly ripped it loose. And three weeks after that, I went and had him do it again. Yeah, that was fun. I'm, and I, the, the only good thing out of having two surgeries is I got a two-for-one deal. Because I had covered all my deductibles, all my co-pays for the entire year with the first surgery. The second one was free. Way to look at the silver lining. It's like a medical that's, group on. That's what it was. You got a medical much, group on. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm, that's how it works. <laughs> the second surgery, he was a little worried about uh, uh, going in just because he knew he'd have to trim up the Achilles even further. And he didn't know whether he'd have to go harvest tendon from somewhere else in my body um, to lengthen things out thankfully he didn't have to and um, uh, everything went back together just fine and uh, it was basically 
three weeks on my back. I was scared to move after the yeah, surgery. I, I basically laid in bed or laid in my recliner, and the only time I got up was go to the bathroom. I would have still been I didn't, in recliner. I didn't shower for three weeks, much to my wife's dismay. T-M-I. Wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. That makes she, me nauseous. She was not happy with Yeah, it. neighbors probably weren't happy. But once I got in the boot, then I was I felt much better about it. And then it was but it was six weeks non weight bearing and then start up. I couldn't run. So the surge second surgery was in December or no November. <clears throat> My first run was not until the first part of March. I did a whopping one mile on a treadmill at PT's office when he unloaded me to where I weighed about eighty pounds. That was heaven. Weighing 80 pounds or yes, running? that too. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, weighing 80 pounds. That was awesome. <laughs> but I basically country. had to relearn how to run. Uh, I couldn't run, basically. I, I couldn't go out on trails or road until five months. I went out at about four and a half. Um, Rebel. Yeah, I know. Rule breaker. Yeah. But uh, once he cut me loose and told me to start running, I, I really, I had to kind of relearn to run. I was, I was hobbling down the trail, limping down the trail. But uh, it got better and better. And uh, by June, I was my mileage was back up to where it wanted to be. Um, my whole goal after surgery was I wanted to run Wasatch 100 again the, the next year. And so I did it on basically three months of training and, and got my ninth finish. And uh, it was probably my hardest finish. But uh, got it done and was super stoked about it. And um, now, almost a year and a half later, yeah, the the right leg where I had the surgery is still tight. I don't have the flexibility that I used to have. But uh, and, And if you were to look at my legs side by side, you'd see that it's still somewhat atrophied from non use. But uh, I run pain free, at least with that leg. Yeah, yeah, the other leg is another issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is this is uh, this podcast was kind of good timing. We came off the hills last week. We talked to Mike McKnight, um, and he had back surgery before he kind of really. That's he how he found trails. Bad. Yeah, yeah. So his was really bad. He he was uh, skiing bad ski accident, um, and we got the opportunity to talk to him about the recovery process, the different phases of it, right? I mean, a lot of people, when you look at stuff from the outside, you're thinking, man, that would hurt. That would suck not to, you know, be able to run for three months, two months, whatever whatever the time is. But there's so many levels to that. Debbie kind of pointed out a little bit is it's her stress reliever. So when you don't have that, you know, what do you do? So I guess a question for both of you, and you can answer in different order, mentally. Um, I know that you kind of go into it mentally. You know, you had... Le- I'm pointing at Debbie. She had less time to think about it because it was kind of a spur of the moment. Jim, you kind of had time. But mentally going into your surgeries, talking with your doctors, what were some of the things that were going through your head mentally before all the rest of it started? Like, oh, man, I'm going to be out running. I know, Debbie, you had a different scare you were worried about, yeah. obviously. Um, but what's the mental side of the recovery like? Yeah, so, I mean, initially to go back to, you know, that first day when, I mean, before we even really knew what we were looking at, you know, my my doctor, and I love her, by the way, ladies, her name is Chelsea Mutchler. She she looked at me and said, you're having a hysterectomy. And if you want to if you want to put it off until the end of the summer, you can. It's up to you. I wouldn't wait, you know, and she said, so you just you think about that and let me know what you want to do. And 
I mean, I walked out to my car and just sobbed for probably an hour, you know, for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, surgery is scary, you know, and yeah, I was facing like, you know, losing what I wanted to do over the summer and had some fun plans that way. But, but I was scared and, and trying to figure out, you know, okay, how do I deal with, how do I deal with this when I'm looking at not having stress relief too? And, you know, mentally for me, um, I, I mean, I still had about, you know, a week and a half, two weeks before we actually went in for the surgery itself. So I had a little bit of time to sort of prepare myself that way. And, and, and for me, and I know that's so different for everybody. And I think we'll probably talk about that today, but I mean, I leaned on my people, you know, I, you know, I have really very close friends and I'm very close to my mom and, I just, I let them help me and lift me up and be my support and, and, um, just said, Hey, you know, I need to cry. I need to talk. I, I'm going to need you to, um, listen to me when I want to whine or, you know, complain and then tell me to knock it off, you know, and, and help me kick myself out of that negative loop, um, if I need it. And they were really, really great to do that and wonderful support, um, and that, that is one of the things that I take with me all the time. I'm super grateful for, for those close people in my life because I know I might get emotional. Oh my gosh. Thanks Jim. I'm going to blame that on you and the beer that you gave me. Um, but like I, like I said, I know it's different for everybody, but I know I could not have made it through the, the scare that I went through and then just like not being able to run, um, for a summer without, um, and I'm going to name them Kelsey, Brian, and my mom. So, so, I mean, this kind of goes and, and it kind of goes hand in hand is like the mental slash emotional side. I mean, you know, eventually all this is tied together, but how, how hard was that say for you to lean on other people to that level? Um, cause I know you, you, you're extremely a strong individual, right? You, you're kind of the type of person that if it needs to be done, I'll get it. I'll just do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you have to, cause I, I feel the same way. I eat asking for help no matter what it is. Yeah. Right. Was that hard for you to not just ask for help, but also that fine line of, you know, telling somebody flat out, okay, if I start whining, pump me back into shape. Yeah. You know, but you want, sometimes you want to whine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> they won't be mad when I say this, but, and you, you know, both of these women very well, both of you guys do. Um, I lovingly call them my mean friends. And I, and when I say mean, they are the type of person that will tell you like it's it, what, like it is, whether you want to hear it or not, they're going to love you too. And they're going to hug you and they're going to let you cry, but they're going to tell you to knock your shit off or they're going to tell you, well, they're, okay. they're equally as strong as you. Oh, and, stronger. And not only that, but they're very practical. Yes, and, and very smart. And very smart. And, uh, you know, like like Debbie said, Eric and I know, know both of these women very well. And uh, I wouldn't hesitate to lean on them either. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the perfect people to lean on, really, if you have to have a couple of friends to lean on. Yeah, and, and my mama. I mean, I, you guys have both met my mama, and she's... She's the softer of the three, um, and I get my tender side from my mama. And so I knew which person to go to if I really just wanted to cry, you know? Like, like for the mom. <laughs> <those two>. Nope. <laughs> you know, but yeah. it was, it's, it was a perfect balance. And, and my mom, 
mom too. I mean, she's not going to let you wallow, you know, yeah. but she also, she's your mom. I mean, she's going to hug you and love you and like cry when you need to cry. And you know, all, all three of those ladies, I mean, it, to a degree, um, asking for help didn't need to happen. They just told me, yeah. shut up. I'm going to help you. You know, <laughs> um, and, and for me too, and Jim, you probably felt this way a little bit too, or, or just were forced to feel this way. Like there were certain things I just couldn't do, yes, you know, absolutely. Um, like I, and I don't remember how many weeks now I'd have to go look it up, but like, I couldn't lift anything heavier than a gallon of milk for at least a month, if not longer. I think wow. it was six weeks. I wasn't allowed to drive for a minimum of two weeks. Um, just because my abs weren't strong and they weren't firing the way they were supposed to. And it's not safe for you. You know, your reaction time just isn't quite there. So I, I didn't have a choice. I mean, I was stuck <laughs> home and, um, I needed help getting groceries. I needed help, you know, doing laundry cause I couldn't lift my laundry up and down the stairs. So I, I, I didn't have a choice and, and they showed up, you know, you show up and this is my philosophy. You show up for the people you love the most. And, and I'm so fortunate to have people like that in my life that show up and tell you to like, no, sit down. I'm going to do your laundry and no, sit down. I'm going to cook dinner for you, you know? And, um, but to a degree, I, I mean, I did. I, I was not shy about calling or texting when I just needed to talk or when I was cleared to start, like, moving around more. You know, Kelsey would come over and just say, come on, we're going on your granny walk. And we'd <laughs> we'd shuffle around the block a time or two. And and it was just good to have, you know, she and I run together quite a bit. And it was good to have my running buddy there just, you know, to take my mind off of how slow I was shuffling in a hunched over position for a while. So I think, um, it's hard for people to, to ask for help sometimes, but when you're forced to ask or forced to accept it, that's one thing. And, and, you know, just, uh, I don't want to sound like preachy or anything, but preach Debbie, preach, preach it girl, but don't be afraid. You know, if you've got those people in your life and people are, are willing to do so much more than you're willing to ask them for. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So just, just accept it and just say thanks and be great, be gracious and grateful for it. How about you, Jim, before I get too emotional, listening to Debbie here, Jim, <laughs> so switch it up. How, would, how was that? My, my situation was a little bit different in that I knew mine was a running related injury. I had prepped for it for months. I knew, I kind of knew what I was getting into. So you're saying you did it to yourself? <laughs> well, I, I guess. The Achilles tendinosis is a fairly common runner's malady. Uh, I just read today 4 to 7% of elite runners will experience it every year. I'm out. That's sweet. I'm safe. I'm not yeah. elite, so I'm yeah. not. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't how, fit that category. I, We're good and to since go. I'm, that's why I don't try to be elite. <laughs> <laughs> and, and since I'm far from elite, I don't know why it happened to me. Nonetheless, um, <clears throat> I didn't I didn't quite have that. I Like you, Debbie, I, I have an incredibly difficult time asking for help. I mean, to the point where I won't even ask my wife for help. I just, no, I'll just go do it myself. Well, when you're flat on your back... Um, you have to have help, and I had to get used to my lovely wife, the saint that she is, <laughs> helping me out, um, and me just 
sitting there and taking it. I, I guess that's the turn. <laughs> just letting her. Yeah, just letting her help. And, and that's so hard to do. And uh, I, I know once I got back out running or shuffling around or hiking or walking or limping down the trail, there were a lot of times for me in the months uh, after where I, I I was going so slow. I you know I was busting out 15 and 16 minute miles. You know just cruising, hammering it hard, <laughs> wondering if the surgery was had actually been worth it. You know, and and I I just had to keep telling myself that. Yes, it was worth it. Yes, you will get faster again. Keep plugging away. And that was probably the hardest part for me. Well, yeah. So, so Jim, you, I mean, you run a lot, and you have for a lot of years, so it's like just part of who you are, right? So being off for that long, having that setback, too, with the, the second surgery, how was that hard for you? Just that you couldn't do something that you were, it was almost routine for you. It's like going to the well, bathroom. Right? Well, like, like, I, like I said, I, I had more time to prep for it and I knew it was going to throw me, you know, put me down for a while. So mentally I was prepped for it. Um, what I wasn't prepped for was the 20 pound weight gain from not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> At least you had I an haven't, excuse. I haven't weighed that much in 20 years. <laughs> But, uh, um, yeah, it was just, I guess, I guess it was just, you know, it was a little easier, I guess, in that regard that I, I was able to just mentally prep for it. And you're pretty methodical and you're kind right. of dialed I, I knew in. This, yeah, I'm an engineer. I knew the science before it. I did my, did my research. I, I knew what all was involved. I had talked with... Uh, Ben Lewis had had similar surgery a couple of years earlier, and I had talked to him quite a bit. Ty had Achilles surgery yeah. is similar to mine. Um, so I had talked to him about it and just trying to get an idea of what to expect. And uh, so I, I was a little mentally, a little bit better mentally prepared for it. The good thing, well, and the other thing is, too, is, is uh, I'm getting older. So I'm you know, naturally going to start slowing down. And there were a lot of times, and I still think this, that, oh, crap, I'm never going to get what little bit of speed that I had back. But then I went out today and ran my fastest five miles in probably a year and a half. Nice. Nice. Well, let me, let was, me ask I you this. I stoked. Well, because we're in this interesting situation. Obviously, a trail running podcast. Obviously, we're talking about injuries keeping us out right now, anyway, of running. Um, and I've had minor injuries when we're talking about what you guys have had right and so i would get frustrated of not being able to run the kind of same thing it kind of keeps my mental clarity going and sometimes people would look at me or say to me it's only running Mm -hmm. right it's not quote-unquote life-threatening it's not you're not bedridden forever you didn't lose a limb just tell them it might be life-threatening yeah. <laughs> you don't shut up. Life-threatening life for you. Life-threatening for you, buddy. <laughs> but, but, I mean, there is that side of it. So, I mean, when people that aren't running or, or have something like this, a passion, an outlet, and they they hear something like this, I mean, to them it's like, oh, my gosh, you're complaining about that, and there's, you know, they'll, they'll come up tragedy after Kids tragedy. Kids in Africa. Yeah, First I mean, world I'll, problem. Yeah, that always comes up, right? Yeah. But I, I think part of it, and I, I absolutely get it, right? I mean, the whole 
thing we just talked about. But at the end of the day, this, you know, Debbie, your mother, you know, yeah. and so running does help. Right. I yeah. mean, it does help you be, be a better mom, be mm-hmm. a better friend, be More a better patient. sweeper of your floor right here that I came <laughs> in on. Right. But I mean, it's just a, it's a part of who you are. And when that gets taken away from you, whatever it is, it's a it's a challenge. Right. Because I, I was a soccer guy my whole life. That's all I was known for. That wasn't taken from me, but I moved away from it. And that was my identity. Right. And then you talk about running and Jim, you're known for being a runner. You're race directing and running. That's how probably most people know who you are. You know, um, so when that is taken away, it is kind of a, a, a oh my, I've lost something that yeah. has been my, it's always there for me when I need it. Right? Yeah. Well, and, yeah. But you know, the other thing is too, is that it, once I started back running or hiking or, you know. Oh, I thought you meant running on your back. I'm like, <laughs> God, you got to explain that one to me. <laughs> what other surgery did you have? <laughs> <laughs> when I got back out running... My whole attitude changed. Um, I was just, you know, I, I remember the first race I entered after my surgery. So uh, I started running again at the end of March, and I had my first race. It was a trail half marathon down in Tuella at the end of April. So I'd, I'd been out on the trails for three, four weeks, and that was it. So not a lot of mileage and all that. There were only four people that finished behind me in that race, and I was happy as a clam. Oh, I knew you were going to say clam. I, knew, I don't know <laughs> no, why. No, you, you thought I was going to say happy as shit. No, I was, <laughs> I was totally thinking clam. But no, I was just thrilled to death and just stoked to be out there, even though my time was like three hours for a stinking half marathon. You know, that was fairly flat. I was just, and, and so my whole attitude towards running just kind of shifted. I mean, I've always enjoyed it, and, you know, of course, there's times when you don't enjoy it, but uh, overall, I'm just happy to be out running. I am just, you know, my run last night, I just up on the trails right up here, um, I just I just had this big grin on my face. Yeah. Just. Because you were doing it. I was doing it. Doing it, yeah. And. And it kind of changed my attitude. Um, yeah, I still like to compete. Uh, no, I'm not as fast as I used to be, so what? But I'm just thrilled to death to be out there and be able to do it and hopefully do it for a while longer. So I kind of need to echo what Jim said. So my first race back um, after my surgery was El Vaquero, and it was the 25K I, w- I had wanted to do the 50K, and, and going into it, I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to do the 25K. I, I, and I wasn't, you know, I knew, I know that race, so I know once you start, you're, you know, you're committed. You're committed. You're you committed. are committed. <laughs> there um, is no dropping out. In that yeah, race. and I, and, and I knew, I knew it was going to be a longer day than, you know, I ever wanted it to be, but, um, I was just so happy. I was just so happy. Like you yes, said. Yes, I remember seeing you out on the trail that yeah, day. I remember. And big old hug. And yeah, you were just. Grateful. Glowing. Like, like, yeah, just, I was yeah just, you were. You were. You were in your happy place. I was. I was. Yeah, and, I could tell big time. Yeah. And I remember you t- telling me that after you finished the race. And um, it does, especially the first couple of, of races back, you know, you just feel just an overwhelming sense of thankfulness and gratefulness and 
and, and joy and joy. Yeah. I mean, and even so my second race, um, I just, I only did two that year and it was the, um, antelope 50 K and even my loathing of the mountain view trail <laughs> couldn't keep like the smile <laughs> on like my that face. Trail. <laughs> um, and I just, I actually came across this picture the other day, um, of me finishing that race and just, I remember just crying and, and having that feeling of, of accomplishment that you get when you finish like your first ultra or your first distance, you know, I kind of felt that again. And, and that was neat to feel that kind of sense of accomplishment, um, after surgery. And, you know, I have to confess now being, um, further out, you know, almost two years now that I kind of swing back and forth a little bit. And I'm, I'm wondering if you feel this way, um, between, um, feeling, a sense of loss and a little bit of frustration over not being able to perform like I used to. Um, cause I'm still not there. I'm still not where I was. I came off of, um, a really awesome running season. Yeah, you, um, yeah, you were, yeah, you did have a good season. And I was super looking forward to, you know, even bettering that season before my surgery and, and I'm still not there. And there's lots of contributing factors to that, not just my surgery. You know, I am, my job has changed and my kids are older and they are my world and my priority and they, they're busy kiddos and, and I'm not willing to sacrifice the time with them. Um, not that I sacrificed it before, but life was just different then. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of swing back and forth sometimes and need to kick myself back into you know, a, a more healthy perspective and getting out there and having good runs just like you had yesterday and just really getting back to why do I do this? I do it because I love it. I do it because, um, it's my happy place. It's my stress relief and I want to keep doing it, you know, yes. until I'm old and gray. Yeah. So, I mean, you, both of you were kind of in the same having to be off for so long. What do you guys remember times and maybe it's the verbiage is a little different and you can understand, but when you were going through your recovery, you know, not running. Do, was there ever times you questioned, like, getting back out there? I mean, you're both super driven, so I think this question, no. I, I already have the answer for it. But what, no. were, what were some of, did you have some of those areas, maybe that you weren't questioning it, but they were like, it was kind of a darker spot of your recovery, you know, where you were kind of like, gosh, man, I maybe this Certainly. or maybe that. I mean, what was that going Certainly. through that I like? Mean, I mean, I, I, I can remember... <clears throat> When I made my trip to the physical therapist, to, um, geez, I can't even Alex. Think. Alex. I knew it started with an A. Couldn't even think of his name. Um, I, I told him that my goal was to run Wasatch. And uh, I said, I want you to get me there. And so he did. And he just thought that was uh, a worthwhile goal to, to attend. But, but uh, yeah, I, I there were... I wouldn't call them dark places, but like I mentioned earlier, there were times when I questioned, was the surgery really worth it? Would I ever recover sufficiently to be fast enough to not chase cutoffs, if you will? Yeah. You know, to be fast enough to make it more than just a hike. And, um, ultimately, yeah, you know, and more than once too. Because doesn't it come, it almost becomes a different battle at that point because, you know, watching you both over the past five, six plus years running, you know, you're you're both driven, you both have had great years. And so you kind of go through that, that little lull and it's like, Hey, 
it changes your priority. It's like, okay, maybe that's not my next step to hear. Like Jim's was saying, hey, I want to get to the Wasatch 100, which was in September. Your second surgery was in November. So that's a pretty short turnaround yeah. for any 100, but Wasatch is tough. But, I mean, you got to change your goals a little yeah. bit, yes. right? So your Wasatch 100 maybe this time could have been frustrating knowing I'm going for a finish, right? Where other times you go in saying, yep, this is my goals. time goal. I want to go sub 30, right? That's kind of like the, the sexy spot of Wasatch. You got to change your mental aspect to it, but it doesn't. Yep. Some people, I don't know how well they can do that, though. Like some people are too competitive competitive to where I won't say they would say, oh, it's not worth it, but maybe they would. It's like, you know what? If I can't perform at close to a sub 30, then I'm not going to run it. I'll wait another year. Yeah. For me, I like I said, I kind of swing back and forth and, and I have to work on that perspective. Um because so, you're, so Debbie's a swinger. We got that out there. <laughs> I, hmm. I have, um, I, I just have to remind myself that, like I said before, life is very different for me now and I don't have as much time to put into the kind of training that I know for me, I need to perform like I did a few years ago. Um, and, and I just have to remind myself I do it because I want to. And I, and I go to these places in these races because I want to see these beautiful places. And I want, yeah, I mean, I like, I like racing. I'm not uber competitive. Um, some people argue with me on that. And so I'm interested in your perspective, but I, I think you're more are you, lift are you running, you're running competitive. Up this year? <laughs> you're more lift competitive <laughs> than uber <laughs> competitive. Maybe they'll sponsor the podcast. <laughs> what did you say? This podcast is sponsored by Uber. I'm on the wait list. Ty Draney <laughs> on the wait list. If, if you get in, I'm kicking your butt. <laughs> you probably will. <laughs> and the challenge this is, is the, Hey, Skaggs, this is the only year you'll ever be able to do that. Yeah, whatever. I've kicked your butt before at that race. Guys, I'm running. Elva <laughs> Carroll. You'll probably both beat me. No. If I get in, you, you probably will both beat me. And and honestly, going into this this year, I'm just I just want to finish. Like, and that really, really is truly my goal. I want to finish, and I want to have fun, and I want to finish with a smile on my face. That, and I, that was my goal last year at El Vaquero. It was my slowest one and my happiest and one. And probably your happiest one, yeah. Happiest but but one. Is, that, is that a hard transition to make, though? Because I know a lot of people are going to be listening to the podcast, and people I've talked to about injuries mm-hmm. and all, over the plethora of years is, it, are you happy with that? I am. Okay. I am. Um, and, and like I said, I know... It's perspective for me. I know I am not willing to commit the level of time I need to commit to be running as fast as I was, which wasn't fast, FYI. Put an asterisk on that. I mean, it was fast for me. Oh, you're, um, f- you're fast. And and I'm okay with that because I I am okay sitting at soccer games with my kiddos, you know, and and helping my kids learn how to play the guitar and learning to play the guitar myself. Like I, those are priorities to me now too, and which are maybe more important priorities. My kids, absolutely, absolutely. yeah. So, um, and and if I can go out and have a great day in the mountains surrounded by good friends, I'm okay with that. I am. I really, truly am. One day, though, here's the other asterisk. Like, one day, I want to get faster again, and I hope to be able to maybe throw down some really good times like I used to. Well, we have another friend that's battled some injuries, and I had a conversation with him not too long ago, and one of the things I thought was interesting, he said to me, um, he's in his mind, he was like, I have no desire to run a hundred miler again, or he maybe in a 50 mile because of the time he's in a, in a place of his life with, with his injuries. And he's like, I can't believe how much time you put in when you're training for a hundred. 
And it's like, I don't want to do that again. After coming back from injury, just that perspective changes. Like you talk about, you know, spending time with your kids. Everybody has that. And sometimes I think, and I'm not saying injury is a good reason for it, but you talk to a lot of people when they get pulled away from something, they enter it with a different mindset. Yes. Right. And it's like, that's when you figure out, is it really something I love or was it something I was doing because everybody else was doing it? My friends were doing it. It looked cool, whatever. And then you get back into it. No, I love this, you know, and and your perspective could change. Got to admit Chicks dig altar runners. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> As Debbie laughs uncontrollably. <laughs> Debbie's like, altar runners are stupid. <laughs> Wait, I am one. <laughs> Boy, altar runners are stupid. Um, well, I mean, I think that's interesting because there is, I mean, you guys are definitely at one end of the spectrum. I know there's like worse injuries than you, what you've had, but there's sure, a lot. Sure. But yes. I think there's. Many, 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 many more that are under what you guys do. A rolled ankle, um, plantar fasciitis, a pulled hamstring, you know, stuff like that that keep people away. You see people post on social media all the time, hey, I'm out for three weeks. I, you know, rolled my ankle, right? right. And right. those three weeks are just people are going nutty. Yeah. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think this, this where we're at with you guys is these big time injuries or surgeries, time elapses, but there's a lot more out there with those maybe they've never had something you've gone through, but it is a rolled ankle, right? They're out three weeks. I mean, what kind of advice coming from months off to weeks off would you give these people that are they're like it's, just frustrated? It's just running. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say um, kind of go, one of the things that I really liked about when we did our um, single track session was um, rest with purpose. Mm-hmm. Um Try to take your focus, the fo- the amount of focus that you put into training running, into recovering, and whatever that yes. may be. Like, if it's your rolled ankle, like, spend an hour icing and lifting your ankle yes. or doing the exercises your provider has told you to do. Or um, take the amount of time that you spent running and and um, get on the floor with your kids or read a book or do some of the other things that, like, you you have put to the side because your goal or your passion is running or that's where all your time went or that's just where all your time went. I mean, if it's Netflixing, you know, you haven't been able to watch your shows, like catch up on your shows and, and, and relish in it, you know, because you know, in a few weeks you should, you're going to be back to doing what you like and, and doing what you love and, and try to flip your perspective and, and, um, instead of being grouchy about it, be grateful um, for the ability to shift your focus for a, a yeah. little while. Uh, the one, the one thing I think that that in in my case really helped is that <clears throat> it, you know you hear you hear especially probably more elite athletes you hear this about, but they'll get injured, it'll require surgery, they'll try and come back too fast, yeah, and yes. they'll re-injure it, and their career's shot. And the one thing I would say is that if you are injured, do what your doctor, your physical therapist tells you. I did that. I mean, I I listened to my physical therapist. I listened to my doctor. I pushed it a little bit, maybe, but that's just because I had goals. And I've been running long enough and know my body well enough. And that's the other thing, too. I know my body well enough to 
not push beyond what I think I'm capable of. And in a lot of times, you know, I was, you know, afterwards, I was capable of crutches down to the end of the block and back. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was it and that's all I could do. But the, the key was to listen to my body, to not ignore it, to not push beyond what my body was telling me, and to listen to my medical help. And you did the work, right? Yes. You did the hard you work, have to of, do their the re- hard of, their work recovery. of the recovery. And sometimes that hard work is mental hard work. Yes. You know? um, and it hurts sometimes. And, it, and you have to know the difference between that kind of hurt and injury kind of hurt. Right, right. And, and I just want to jump on board with what Jim said, too. I mean, my, my doctor looked at me and she said, do not run. Do not run. You have to listen to me. You have to rest because I promise you, you will be really mad if you're back in the OR for a hernia repair, you know, and I know. I've had one of those too. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so I listened and I promised her, she said, I know you and I know how much running means to you. and, And I promise you, you will be glad if you listen to me. And, and, um, I am stubborn, I'm super stubborn, but I also, put that stubborn energy into recovery yes. and and being forced patient <laughs> when it comes being, to what I'm allowed to do and it. being smart about it and But that's got to be a hard part as well. It's too. very oh, difficult. Sure. It's very difficult. And you know, when she cleared me finally to run, she looked at me and said, "This doesn't mean 10 miles." <laughs> <laughs> This means a mile, and you see how you feel. <laughs> and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. My doctor was kind of yeah. the same way. He said, I'll, I'll let you. He says, you can start running at five months, or when you can do 20 single-leg calf raises on that leg. And uh, I thought, so I worked, you know, when with my physical therapist, I worked on those calf raises, and I'd do them every day and all that. And at my five-month appointment, I didn't tell him that. I'd already been doing little bits of running here and there for a couple <laughs> weeks. I've been out hiking. He had cut me loose to hike as much as I wanted. I just couldn't run. But I'd trot 50 yards. I'd trot 100 yards just to see how it felt. How it felt. You know, I didn't want to, you know, I'd, it, it gets back to the, the being smart about it. I didn't want to sit there and go out five miles and, you know, come hell or high water, I was going to do it and and risk re-injuring it. But uh, I went into my five-month appointment at the doctor, and I said, watch this. And I did five of them, and that's all I could manage was five single-leg calf raises. And he says, you can start running. Nice. So I was thrilled to death. And I, <laughs> I, I don't, I can't remember if I told him, well, I've already been out running. <laughs> so, so, so Troy, if you're listening to this, big confession busted, there. Busted. You know, one of the things that a piece of advice, Eric, that, you know, you asked that a few minutes ago that I would give is to find, especially if it's like a rolled ankle, sprained ankle, pulled hamstring, whatever, find a provider um, that you connect with that understands your passion. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up next. Exactly. That can help you, especially if you're the kind of person that will come hell or high water, go run, no matter how bad it hurts. Or, 
Um, and, and they can really help you pull the reins back or fix it or help you fix it in, in a shorter order than you would be able to than just like hanging out at home with your foot up with some ice on it or something, you know. And that is one regret I have after my surgery is not seeking out physical therapy help um, to get my body back in good running shape. You know, I, I, I wasn't against it by any means. I just, I, I didn't really think about it. And I wish I had because, you know, my surgery was in April, you know, I ran Vicaro in August, 25 K. And then I ran the 50 K it was November, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you know, the winter of running and, and I worked on strength, but you know, starting into the next season, I was struggling with some, um, hip issues and I knew it was from, you know, ab abdominal weakness and hip weakness from my surgery for sure. And, um, probably shouldn't have done, um, the antelope run. I don't think my body was quite ready for it strength wise. Mm -hmm. And I think I set myself back a little bit and I, I did finally, um, because of the trail fest, Alex was at the trail fest and I asked him for some help and, um, he kind of, assessed me there cause he had his table and then he said, come in and a couple of visits and I think we can get you on the right track. And he did, he did. And he's my go-to still, you know, if I tweak something funky and it's not getting better after, you know, a couple of days rest or whatever, I'll call him up and make an appointment and go in and have him adjust yes. me or tell me what I need to do to fix it. And, um, I just, <laughs> that's another, like I'm getting older. <laughs> I've dealt with some injuries or some surgeries and it just recognizes again that, you know, a little bit of help is good yes. and it can help you stay on track to well, achieve your goals. And I think it's important. Um, and I came across this years and years and years ago. I was having Achilles problems and I couldn't figure it out. So the best advice I was given, this is again, you know, six, seven years ago, probably was find a doctor that runs. That's all the yes. advice I was given. Yes. I literally started calling foot doctors. Does your, does Dr. So-and-so run? And the, the receptionist, Excuse me? They thought, is <laughs> no, this a prank no, call? But I kept calling around because I went to two people, and but one guy said, don't run anymore. It's bad, and you need a steroid injection. The other guy said, quit running. Let's do surgery. And I'm like, there's got to be something else. I went to a running doctor, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to send you to ASTEM. You're going to put these. He put nitroglycerin patches for heart patients that I put on my Achilles to help the circulation quicker because the Achilles really? doesn't have a lot of circulation. So we prescribed. I went to the pharmacist. Nitroglycerin patches, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, they're from my Achilles. And he's looking at me like, huh? Right? But it's important if you have, you need a surgery, it's a knee, ankle, something, find someone that understands. Because when you yes. say run, right, especially to a lot of listeners out there that do ultras, that's different. Like someone comes up to me, oh, you run? Yeah. So for them, it could mean, oh, you run 10 miles a week, 12 miles a week. Three miles a day, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's important to have that, like you mentioned, that scale of a doctor. It's like, this is what I do. Like Jim mentioned, his doctor and the doctor's wife, they're ultra running, right? So Darcy's an ultra runner. Yep. But Troy does a huge amount of biking, road biking. He does uh, mountain biking. He does, oh gosh, what's cyclocross? Cyclocross. And wins his age group or wins outright. So, so he understands and yes, vitally important to find a uh, healthcare provider that does the same sport as you or is realizes the importance of it to you. And I, I know when it came to uh, finding a physical therapist, I had no clue. And I think, I think I talked to you, Debbie. You did. And I said, I have no clue who to go to. And she said, go to Alex. 
He's worked on me. He's gold. He and is. I did. And, you know, when I told him my goals, he said, he didn't say all oh, that. We can't do that. No. Uh, he said, okay. Always work towards it. Isn't it awesome to have that in your corner, though? Yes. Right? Yeah. Not someone that tells you, ah, I don't know if we can do that, but someone's like, let's go for it. Because yeah. it gives you that mental part of it. You yeah. know, it's like exactly. the last thing I want is someone else to tell me I can't do something, especially somebody to that degree. Yeah. And, and right? you know what was so fun is the week after I did Wasatch, I took my buckle and I took my plaque and I went to Alex and I just walked in and I said, and I held it up. And I said, I did it. And he was too thrilled to see that I had actually finished Wasatch. I mean, realistically, that's why they get into it, right? right? Is to help he, people. Yeah. When they see you hit a goal, like especially to that level, that's... Yeah, he, was just, <laughs> he was just tickled pink to see that I actually did it. Yeah, and, you know, and he's not... he's. And I know there there are more Alexes out there. This is just right. our guy, right? Yeah, but, this um, is our go-to guy. <laughs> this is our go-to guy. Alex Bravo. Yes. Um, the clinic, physical therapy. Yeah, there you go. He um, he also will will rein you in if you need to be reined in. Yes. You know, I mean, he's not just going to let you go and do what you Whatever that He's not going to say, Jim, why go for Wasatch at a hundred? There's a 200 mile race a month later. No, I mean, but it is, it's, it's just important to find somebody that, you know, isn't going to dismiss your passion and dismiss. Yes. I've I've had actually had doctors do that. I, you know, I remember shortly after I started running some 30 years ago and I was having shin splints. I had no clue what they were. You know, I just... And they hurt like a SOP. Oh, yeah. Tell me about <laughs> it. So I go to my my GP, and I explain to him what's going on. Well, how much are you running? I said, oh, about 35 miles a week. And the first thing he says is, why are you running so much? <laughs> I never went back Running's to him. Running's bad yeah, for you. Exactly. Running's bad for I you. I <laughs> never went back to him because I thought, if he's going to dismiss it, then... He, he didn't even diagnose. He just He just said, well... Don't Quit run. running. That's Quit. bad. Don't for run you. for a couple of weeks. You know, so it's vitally important to find a doctor or healthcare provider, whomever, that understands your running and uh, can help you with it. And I've got a funny story with this. So everybody knows the puppy dog, right? When you're when you're talking to a puppy and they kind of just start tilting their head from side to side, yeah. Yeah. right? Because they're either confused or curious. I went to a doctor. I had my knee was hurting me. And I went to a doctor, and this was early on in my running, and it was probably because I was running too much, actually, too quick. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, my knee hurts. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, this past week I did 40 miles. The week before I did 35, and I was just starting to – he's like, yeah, running's bad for your knees. And I looked at him, and I literally said this to his face, and he was looking at me. I said, I don't run on my knees. <laughs> and he did the puppy dog head thing. He was like tilting his head from side to side. like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> just looking at me, you know. <laughs> Somebody questioning yeah. him. I'm like, I don't run on my knees. And he just started tilting his head like, I don't, I can't process this. Uh, I'm going to short circuit. And that was the last time I went to him when he told me that. He's like, yeah, running's bad for your knees. I'm like, huh? What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, I know what he meant, right? But I'm like, I don't run on my knees. And he was so confused. It was, it was pretty awesome. Um, all right. So so with that, um, and I, I don't want to get into this, but I think it's important also to p- part of what we're talking about. Um, injuries. Jim... How old are you, Jim? 60. So he's 60, just came off serious Achilles. Now, personally for me, I'm not 60, but I want to run when I'm 60. Mm-hmm. So when I see Jim and we have a few other friends, it's like inspiring, 
right? Especially coming back from what you're doing. So when you say, I've said this on the show so many times, I can't tell you, is you can't, when you look around when you're at a race, like Jim mentioned earlier, he was, there were six people behind him at a race and knowing Jim that that would never happen in quote unquote real life, right? When he's healthy. It was real life. Yeah. But when, when you go to a race, I think this is what's awesome is you look around and you never know that person's story. Right. Yeah. It could be their first run back since back surgery or from right. Achilles surgery Absolutely. or from being gutted like a fish. Is dead. I mean, you <laughs> just don't know what they're going through. Right. And so that's why, it, to me, it's so cool. Right. It's like, oh, I learned early on I couldn't compete against people. It wasn't fair to them, to me, to anybody. It's like you're not mm-hmm. competing against them. You don't know what their training's like, what their lifestyle's like, what they're going through. And so I think a lot of times it's awesome when you do get on the trail you're in a race, you're at a group run, and you start having that conversation just to see what people are battling, right? Whether it's an injury, whether it's life stuff, but you're all there for the same thing. And that's why I think running is so stinking inclusive with everything, yeah. right? Because the stories with you guys are telling me are just pretty sweet. And for the record, everybody here is wearing pants. So let's get that straight. Debbie <laughs> made us wear pants. Damn it. Because the Trail Matters podcast, pants are optional. Debbie said we couldn't come to her home without pants on. So there's, there's that. So, um, dis- so disappointed. So before before <laughs> we get into the Patreon um, questions from the Patreon fo- uh, folks, is there anything you guys would like to add um, from, from your experience? Or also, again, I think we gave a little bit, but even for some advice, experience or advice for people out there that – and it couldn't. It could be, like I said, minor. It could be major. You know. I, you know. It, this is. I I do, and and I'll get on a soapbox here, a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I I belong to a few running groups on Facebook and all that, and um, every once in a while somebody will post, "Hey, I've got this injury going on." Da 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 da. What should you do? And you know, naturally, everybody and their dog has an opinion, whether, well, you should, like, you know, smear lemon oil on your knee or whatever, and or do this or do that. And I just, I get so frustrated. It's like, if it's that serious, go to a doctor. They are trained. They are scientists. They have the information. Don't go to Joe Blow down the street that tattoos on the side and does massage. Ooh, that'd be a sweet stop. <laughs> Not gonna if, lie. If you want a massage and tattoo, that's what I'm saying. If you want him to fix your knee, he's not the person to go to, regardless. Now, is there a tattoo massage place around here? Because I it would, might be. Because I would get a membership. <laughs> but no, no my 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 advice is if the injury is bad enough. To where you think you need to go in, go to a doctor. Go to someone who specializes in that. Um, and I think most of us, especially even know, people listening, are at a point, like Jim mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know your body. Right. Listen to your body. Sometimes right out of the gate, you may not be able to tell an injury versus soreness. If you've like been right out of a the couple gate. years, yeah. you know. But the next day or the day after that, like Debbie says, I'll wait a day or two. If it's not better, then she calls Alex. It's right. like sometimes right. it's not immediate, but if you know, don't press through it thinking, oh, yeah, it's a king go trying to, to a, mentally just, just check it out. Professional. Yeah. 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 My my advice, something we haven't really talked about yet, is um, respecting the process. And, and yes. Ty says this all the time. Um, 
it's, it's a process. It's not linear, you know, coming back from whatever your injury, surgery, just an extended period of time off because life got in the way, whatever it is, like respect the process. You're not going to immediately be back where you were. Um, understand it's going to take work, be willing to do the work and then be patient with yourself, you yes. know, and patience. And that's it's very, key. very difficult for someone like me. I'm super impatient and, and we are our own worst critic. You know, yes. why can't I run like I did? You yeah. know, I've been back at training for four months now and um, I still can't connect, you know, two good runs. And, and that, that was one of those things. Like I remember having a conversation with Kelsey about this, that, you know, I'd have a good run here, be a few weeks and then have another good run. But every run just for the longest time, it just was work. It was work. It was yes. work and it was painful. And been there. Um, I remember when I had two good runs in a row and it was like magic, you know, it's like finally. And then, and then you, <laughs> you start getting, you get into that rhythm again where you start feeling better more than it's work. And yes. I don't know. I just, it, it's just the work pays off and be patient. And I heard this recently that, you know, um, I'm not an overly like Pollyanna life is, good and optimistic and everything's great. Just have a good attitude and it'll be fine. You know, that was pretty sweet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm all, I also try very hard not to be, you know, that negative Nelly that's like, Oh, this sucks. And why can't I, why can't I, you know, we all have those moments, but instead of glass half full glass, half, half empty, I'm just glad there's water in my glass. You know, I'm just glad I get to run. So, yep. Well, I think it's really neat because everybody, I hope, I mean, I know we all do, but when you're having those days or when you're coming back, I know the first thing, and I'm, I'm probably one of the worst with this, when someone says, hey, come run with me, and I haven't run for a little bit for whatever reason. I'm uh-huh. like, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty slow right now. It's embarrassing. You're, you're way more fit. I think what people need to understand is they're your friends. They just want to be on the trail we with you. We don't care. You know yes. what I mean? We don't care. So, so, and it's hard to think that way. Like, you're coming off an injury. Like, Jim's like, oh, I, I did it with Jim when he was coming back. He's like, well, I'm really super slow. And I'm like, I didn't care. You know what I mean? It's like, it's I'm on the trail with you. Either way, I'm on the trail. People will, if you're coming back and you're kind of scared to get out the door or you're nervous because of where you're at, just take someone with you. And trust that when they come to you and say, hey, Deb, let's go for a run. Eric, let's go for a run, that they actually want you to go with them. They want to be with you. If they're they're going out for it, yes, if they're going out for a tempo run or they've got a a time goal or or like a hard workout that they need to do, they know you you aren't ready to do that. They'll go do that another time. They invited you for a reason, you know, like... Say yes. Say just yes. Just go and say just yes. Go. Just yes. say yes, like Nancy Reagan's always said. Just no, just say no. She did, right? Wow, I've got those mixed up. Kids don't listen to that. Um, but no, I think it's important. I think you know, everybody battles injury on some level or another. You know, I think the first thing is listen to your body. You know it well. Um, if it's even on the verge of something, go get it checked out. Because the last thing you want to do is be able to prevent a worse injury by being like Debbie says, stubborn or yeah, too like driven. Like there's, and, and when you're coming back, set mini goals, you know, little micro goals, you know, Hey, this, this week, my goal is to do two miles or, you know, 15 minute pace or, or whatever it is, or run 60%, walk 40%. Um, but that's a good way to kind of keep that mental side because realistically you're always going to hit those. Like Debbie said, have a great run. You get ready for your next one. Like, yeah, yesterday's one was awesome. Then it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm running in quicksand. Yes. You know, because that that definitely takes place. I had a great run today. Tomorrow might just absolutely be horrible. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you are what? 
you're running, right? And so, and so I think that's, that's pretty important. So I have some, uh, as you know, I have a Patreon questions that I, everybody that subscribes to Patreon, most people, I tell them, Hey, this kind of scares me. Here's what I have. I'm having, I said, I have Jim Skaggs, Debbie Farka coming on the show. We're talking about injuries coming back from injuries or surgeries. What questions do you have? And we do have a few questions for you guys. Another, you guys should know this, but the trail matters. People are legit. Like they're with, they're smart, right? They've, these are great questions. So I'm excited to ask you guys. They're, they're good questions. You'll be able to answer them. First one, what kept you motivated on the down days of recovery? Like when you were having a down day, what kept you motivated? Knowing that eventually I'd be back out there. Yeah. And I, I knew it was going to be a lot of hard work. I knew I was going to have to shed a fair amount of weight. <laughs> Because when you lay on your back for three or four months or sit on your butt and you're used to going 30, 40 miles a week on average, yeah, the weight the weight just piles on fast. So to the bed sores at that point, right? Well, I didn't quite have that. but <laughs> You kept moving? But just, <laughs> just the fact, I, I knew it was going to be just a hell of a lot of hard work, but I knew I would be back. And that's what kept me motivated. How about you, Debbie? Um, yeah, I, I think no, just knowing um, that it's going to get better. And, I mean, unlike Jim, where you actually couldn't physically walk, I mean, shortly after um, my surgery, I was allowed to walk. I was allowed to shuffle. And, um, and setting those little mini goals, like, okay, I feel good enough to um, walk around my block today. And... I was excited about that. And tomorrow I'm going to go try to walk the block twice, you know, and, and sometimes you still get down and think, Oh my gosh, I used to be able to like run miles and miles and miles and miles. But, um, knowing that, yes, I can do this again. I will do this again. And, and just knowing that like, this isn't the end of the world. Um, and just trying to kick myself back into that perspective. And if I was really struggling with that perspective, Call in my mean friends. Yep, there you go, mean you know? girls. And and I would, I just, I'd text them or call them and say, "All right, help, talk me out of this, or let's let's have a beer and let me whine about it for a few minutes." It just go, kind of goes back to your people and perspective. Yep. And those out there that need a people, I'm a people. Call me. I love <laughs> to talk about misery. <laughs> um, all right, next question. Okay, when you got back to running. Were you ever nervous to re-injure yourself or have a setback? Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, you know, so it's been almost a year and a half since my surgery. And I know all last summer and fall and even through this, somewhat through this winter. Um, yeah, I worried about, you know, twisting the ankle. You know what my big fear was last year? Just snakes. falling. No, well, just no, snakes don't bother me. <laughs> falling. Just taking a tumble on the trail. Yeah. You know, we all we all fall on the trail. We all stumble a little bit. You catch that little root that reaches up and grabs your ankle and throws you down to the ground. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I was, I was absolutely petrified to fall. And when I finally fell, I was like, oh, that wasn't bad at all. Got up and kept right on going. And... What I'm finding now, and, and since since the right leg was weaker afterwards and didn't have the flexibility and all that, 
yeah, I worried, you know, hopping over rocks and all that. And, and my balance when I'm on my right leg is not as good as it used to be. But <clears throat> what I've discovered this spring as I've gotten back out and uh, on some dirt finally is that I'm hammering it downhill now like I used to. It's more confident? Yes. Kind of so getting, much more getting confident. Getting back to the, the not thinking. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, such a, it's such a good feeling. But yeah, I was absolutely paranoid to, to re-injure myself. Yeah, I I I was scared to fall. Um, same thing, and and I think I think a lot of people can relate to this. If you have twisted an ankle, you took a, a bad fall and cut your palms open or whatever. Just those first couple runs afterwards, you're so tense, you yes. know, and you're kind of hopping over things or tiptoeing over things that normally you wouldn't even think twice about. It's you know that muscle memory kicks in. Um, I think it's it's the same thing after a surgery or or a, a serious injury of any sort, and it's just practice. It's just being patient with yourself and getting out there and doing it and doing it and doing it, and then you finally you do start to relax eventually. Well, but. I remember when you and I went up Maylands that last summer, and I remember you telling me, "Quit favoring it. Quit favoring that leg. Yeah. Quit favoring it." It's like I'm trying not to. <laughs> Damn it! Leave me alone. Leave me alone, mean friend. Mean friend. Yeah, mean, mean friend. friend. Mm-hmm. If, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> I can't help it. Everybody has these things in their lifetime that stick with them, whatever it is, right? So my thing with the Achilles, and now when I think Jim, I think Pet Cemetery. Creepy. For any, never, never saw that movie. Okay, so, so I, I it's re. No, I think about it because it's re-releasing. I think they're doing a new one on it. But if you've ever seen it, the first one. There's a little kid, and it, here's the backstory. And I don't care if I spoil it for anybody because it's an old show. <laughs> a, little, a little boy, a little boy gets hit by a car, I believe. He dies, okay. and so they bury him in a pet cemetery because it's supposed to bring him back to life. So, yeah. and I'm paraphrasing. The boy comes back to life. He's this cute little dude, right? Like this really cute little dude. And I remember watching this show in a theater, and he had a scalpel, and he sliced someone's Achilles. Oh, geez. Just cut it. <laughs> Oh crap! Right, and that I, makes me hurt. I yeah, was, Jim is squirming. I was at a movie theater, and the rest of the show, my leg was, my feet were on the chair in front of me. Yep, like yep, I thought yep. the little kid was Somebody under my chair. Yeah. So exactly. now when I think of a kid, and I've seen Achilles rupture on people playing for my soccer days, right in front of me, it just pops, and then their Achilles is gone, and they're cast behind their knee. But I always think of Pet Cemetery now, and then they go off and make a remake. What the hell? <laughs> I'm not watching it. So you know, you know what? I've just told you guys, my Achilles has been bothering me for a while, and I think it's soon I saw the Pet Cemetery. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Psychosomatics. Oh man. Detroit theater that's not there anymore. Dollar oh. movies. You did it to me. Anyway, well, last question from the Patreon people. Sorry on the sidekick, but now I think Achilles. I think a cute little boy's cutting me with a scalpel. <laughs> Sweet dreams, manners. Um, okay, here we go. Last question. What did it feel like emotionally? And mentally, when you got back out to the trails. Mm, we talked a little Sweet. bit about yeah. that already, a, a little bit. Um, it was magic. Because know. I, know, I don't mean this in any, like, you're a little more emotional, right, <laughs> than say, well, anybody. No, I'm just kidding. Than say Jim, <laughs> right? Like, I look at you yeah. and Jim, and I think, hey, you're emotional. Jim, just like, whatever, right? How was it for you, emotionally? Uh, emotionally? Uh, so, I mean, so many emotions. Um so I'll take out the El Vaquero example. Um, the night before that race. Oh, we had a ripper on good part. We had a great time the night <laughs> oh, before the race. Yeah, party. we did. But I was a nervous mess. I mean, I, I, I am nowhere near as experienced in the amount of ultra distance r- races or runs that I've done compared to you two. But 
I feel like I had enough under my belt that going out to do a 25K or a 50K should not make me feel the way it made me feel. I mean, I was a mess the night before and just all of those like first timer feels that you had and um that was a mess too but totally different yeah. reasons oh, well, you got yeah. hammered tied one on the night before um but you know get going to the start line and and getting out there and just you know seeing Ty and um just taking a couple deep breaths and and settling in to that first half mile before you kind of start the climb I got okay. Yeah, you said it. you already busted me. I'm emotional. I kind of which got is nothing earlier. wrong with that. I'm an emotional I mean, guy. I mean, I I got um up through the first like treed section when you get it, where it starts to open up into the meadows and you can really see mm, the flowers. Yeah. You can hear the water. Kinda where I saw you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're kind of going up that seven mile climb or whatever yep. it is, and just you I were, you were glowing. I was. I guess I was. I just I had like um giddy grin on my oh, face yes, you and. Did. I was just loving every single step. It made step. me happy to see you. Like so you that. And then you it think really back good. what you went through. And we're, and I'm here. I, not that yeah. you knew you wouldn't, but it's like, yeah, it's totally worth it. Right? It's like, well, I yeah. came out the other side. And I, yeah, and for me, it wasn't really a choice. Yeah. You know? but, but that said, I mean, had I known that there, I had this tumor <laughs> I w- and I had a choice, um, I don't know that I would have chosen the surgery, you know, but, um, afterwards just feeling just grateful that I could do what I love to do again and, and feeling healthy enough to do it and, and feeling strong enough, even though I wasn't as strong as I know I can be, I, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this and I, I got this and it was good. It was just, it's magic. So this is probably the first time you've heard this, but when they told you, when you went in, they said you have a tumor, right? Mm-hmm. Did you just look at him and go, it's not a tumor? <laughs> did you do that at all? Like, did that ever cross your mind? No. Okay, because it would cross my mind. Like, it's not a tumor. <laughs> Thanks, Arnold. <laughs> That's all I got. How about you, Jim? I mean, with, with you, I mean, you had a longer layoff. You had the double surgery. And again, compared to me and Debbie, probably me and Debbie combined, you've been doing this in a lot longer. So it was more of a part of your being existence, right? For the record, he just called you old. No, he's just done it a lot longer. How many times have you called me old, young lady? A time or two. <laughs> yeah, or six or ten or twelve <laughs> or fifty. <laughs> but w- um, you know, I, I when I first got back out on the trails, obviously I was just walking, and uh, it was still winter. There was still snow on the trails, and I think I was even in my boot, but I was full weight bearing, and. I, I one incident uh, instance I remember is Karen and I went up 29th Street and I you saw and you. you know and I saw you up the trail and I, hey mother farka <laughs> <laughs> that scared me for a minute and uh, <laughs> it was just it was thrilling just to see you see one of my friends yeah. and you know I I think Karen and I hiked a, a whopping mile and a half that day. And my foot got wet because I was in a boot and a sock and the snow got underneath it and all that kind of, I was just happy. Yeah. And when I got to the my first race in April and ran that half marathon, you know, people are passing me like I'm, you know. A tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. I was just happy to be out there. It was a beautiful day. The trails were beautiful. People were nice. Life was good. Yeah. And life is still good. And it's 
You know, it's just the way it is. Uh, it's, a, it's part of a process it, at, it is, at the end absolutely. of the day. I mean, Debbie, you mentioned it's been two years, mm-hmm. and you've only done a very few amount of races since it happened yeah. because, like you mentioned before, um, but you're out on the trails. Jim, it's been a little over a year, a little over a year, but you have a full race schedule going. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's in, it's in the rearview mirror, but I can only imagine just from where you guys came from that it, it comes up in your head sometimes more than not when you're on the trail. Right, because you, you missed it for so long, and now you're yes. back out there. And even those normal it's, days for most people, you guys are more grateful. Right? Oh, ab- absolutely. And think of the I work, mean, and you and know, the, I mentioned my run yesterday. You know, I was just, I was almost giddy up on the trail because I felt good, and I was running, and it was one of my favorite trails. And you know, the views were spectacular, and it was just, it was nice. And and you know when we ran Zion last year, you know yeah. I was I was thrilled to death just to do eleven miles. I remember that. You know a lot of it was hiking. <laughs> In fact, but, I think most of it was hiking. But you know what's funny, and this goes back to it is it was you, me, and Jeff Hart. Right. And none of us cared. No. Because Jim kept saying it's going to be a hike, and me and Jeff, Jeff Hart like so. Sweet. <laughs> I guess. Well, came, came across some good old boys from Louisiana. That, we had, yeah, we had a great time. We had a blast. And that's what it was there for. So, again, yeah. I think it goes back to the thing where people don't care, right? Yeah, I mean, no, well, we weren't going well, down there to set friends. an FKT. No. <laughs> so well, it was like, that'll never happen. Yeah, we're just going down there to see how many beers we can drink in a weekend. Right. right? <laughs> Walk them off the next day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's great. And, you know, I think it, it's important. I mean, I appreciate both of you sharing your story. Because sometimes that's not necessarily easy, especially in Debbie's Debbie's case. But with the amount of running that goes on, Jim mentioned it with social media. People are asking questions all the time. You see it on there. Hey, I did this. And they circle it on the picture. This hurts right here. What do I do? It could be a million different things. But at the end of the day, if you do any amount of running, you're going to have an injury. Yes. Yeah, right? you're going to fall. You're going to hurt Soft something. tissue, you yeah. know, broken bones. We've seen that. Um, oh, yeah. Brian Tolbert just tore his Achilles. Oh, Jared Campbell yeah. rolled his ankle at Barclays. We've I mean, had people break bones at my races out on Antelope Island. Yeah, stitches and everything else. And you hear and about stitches. the horrific ones, obviously. But yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, it's just... It's just running. It's running, but, you, but, but, but putting it in perspective, right? right? Not just that it's just running, but your, your other facets of your life, and again, why are you doing it? Now, maybe you are that um, elite runner, right? And you get a horrific injury, and maybe you'll never be back the same again, mm-hmm. right? But at that point, I think it's important to say, well, why am I doing this? Was it for the sponsorships? Was it for the likes? You know, was it my living? You know, there's yeah, different was things. was it for my ego? Yeah, there, there's everything. But I think at the end of the day, it's like trail running to me is still, and I will say this, I don't care, is still one of the most purest forms of any athletics or exercise you can do. Yes. Right? It doesn't okay. take much, right? And anybody can just, well, virtually anybody yeah, can do it. Really? Any, any normal super Super inclusive, yes. too, on, yes. on that level. So, um, I don't know, these stories are just... They're inspiring to people because I know there's a lot of people that struggle with it on different levels. And some people are harder on themselves than others where they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Where they get super frustrated because they were supposed to do 20 reps of this. They could only do 15, you know, or they went out for five and could only manage three. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you need to look at it as, as these micro goals or mini goals and say, hey, I'm, at least I'm doing it. Right. right. And. The long often debate now, is it about the racing or is it about the running, right? Mm. Well, it's it's both. 
right? Well, it depends on the person. Yeah. Yep. I, think totally I, I like to race, and I like the fact that we're going down to Zion in two weeks to just be endurance tourists. Yeah, and I'll do a lot of, and I'm going to be doing a lot of walking. Let me tell you that right now. We're going to stop and take pictures and tie shoes a lot. Ooh and ah and eat, and when we get done, we're going to go to the campground and drink beer. That's right. The endurance tourists. Well, thank you both so much uh, for coming on. Uh, This is a show I want to do, obviously, for quite some time, talking to you um, both. Um, We'll probably have more shows like this moving forward because I think it's important. Um, And in recent podcasts, me and Debbie talked about it. There's always that side B to every tape, album, whatever, that's not sexy. And I think injuries are definitely that part of it. Sure. I um, don't know. You know, I got a pretty badass tattoo out of my surgery. Yeah, let's talk about that before we leave. Jim, Jim so his, his scar goes halfway up his calf. Yes. Um, it's a pretty decent scar, but he went and got a tattoo of a zipper. On and the scar. On the scar, and it looks pretty cool. It's not, <laughs> it's, did you get a zipper on your scar, Debbie? No. <laughs> It's it's been a conversation starter for sure. I have I Elvacara last year. I'm going up the trail and this lady just is right next to me and she says, "I see that tattoo on the back of your leg. I have to know the story." And so we spent the next mile is she and a half. From California? No, she's actually Salt Lake okay, City. Okay, because someone said that to me last year at Elvacara about my arm tattoo. I want to know the story. I'm like, yeah. that's creepy. Yeah. No, it was, and and I I know this lady a little bit. I mean, I, I know her name, and she's I've seen her occasionally, but uh, yeah, the next next mile and a half, I told her the story, and so and she's not the only one that's asked me about it. Well, and I I'll, I'll be the first, not the first, but I will admit I didn't think you'd get a you, when I look at Jim I don't think tattoo oh I shocked I shocked oh the hell my out gosh of a lot I thought people. it was fake I knew it wasn't fake <laughs> I, I thought it was fake because oh. I, I hadn't had a conversation with you about it and when I saw the picture I'm like oh he pulled that some stock image off of Google <laughs> I reckon so I'd like, recognize the freckles so on his know, calf <laughs> it started out with my daughter sent me a text me a picture of you know how you see a dash line on packages and, and a little scissors and it says cut here. Oh yeah. Mm. So she says, Dad, you need to get this tattoo. That's kind of funny too, actually. <laughs> yeah. My lovely wife is the one that said, No, you need a zipper. Wow. That's and even that better. shocked me. That shocked yeah. That would and shock so me. I started researching it and of course, you know, we know um, So you didn't just like Google zipper pictures, did you? I did. Uh, I Googled zipper tattoos and okay. man, there's a ton of them out so on You the didn't do that at work, did you? <laughs> I can only Not imagine what that was going to come people. up. Yeah, right. Maybe. <laughs> Zipper tattoo. <laughs> Whoa. Do I got to pay for that? <laughs> but, but we have an ultra running friend that does tattoos, and I told him about it, and he was like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. I really want to so go see him. him. I really want to go see him. Jones in for another tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I've already got I it, but I want to go to him. You know, I kind of am, too. I don't know him as well as you guys. I know him, but we're not. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go to him though. For that. I like his stuff. Yeah, he does yeah, good work. He does a good yeah. job. Does yeah. good work. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking another tattoo maybe. You're thinking about something like uh, I don't know, skull, snake no. riding a motorcycle. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking like <laughs> pirate buffalo head right on my shoulder. Right on your shoulder. Yeah. I can see that. That's kind of your 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 jam. Yeah. What What are you gonna get? An aspen leaf. Nice. Oh, that would be nice yeah, for my daughter. I've yeah. got a bunch already picked out. She's on board. Yeah. I love that. Cool little aspen leaf. 
Yeah. And then a snake riding a motorcycle. Because <laughs> that's just badass. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah I'm going to put that on Tinder. Oh, jeez. Oh, my <laughs> be my Tinder shot snake with a motorcycle. Oh, they always get weird. <laughs> well, thanks thanks for coming on the podcast. I uh, really appreciate it. We'll definitely have you guys back on for different reasons. Jim, we're going to have back on talking about race directing. Um, probably single track session. Debbie, you were hit. Downloaded like crazy. We'll get you back on a single track session. Um, Anytime. That was so much fun. But yeah, thanks for thanks for taking the time on a on a Friday night to be on the podcast and appreciate you guys sharing your story. And I hope people out there, if you have questions, definitely send me an email, manners at trailmanners dot com. Um, but thanks for listening to the podcast, Jim, Debbie. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having us. All right, yeah. and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners podcast. I'd like to thank Debbie Farka and Jim Skaggs for joining me today. I also want to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners. Or you can swing by our website, check out our store page, or hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. We'd also love support via our Patreon account at patreon.com backslash trail manners. Until next time, this is Eric Manning reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it. <laughs>